to remind everyone that uh, Sunday mornings at 9 o'clock, they're doing a, uh, a relationship kind of thing. It's, it's, it's uh, marriage, but it's also just flat relationships. So at, that's at 9 o'clock here on Sunday mornings. Okay, all the commercials out of the way. We're going to be in Acts again, Acts chapter 7 this week. And last week, uh, we, we got back to our study of Acts, and we actually, um, I, I've said this before when we started this study, it's called, if you, some Bibles have it, the Acts of the Apostles. I think it's the Acts of the Holy Spirit. I think they misnamed it because it's the Acts of the Holy Spirit, and that's what we see all the way through. So last week, we were in chapter 6, and we saw the first deacons. The, uh, the, this is a brand new church. It had a brand new problem. It came up with a brand new solution and had brand new people doing brand new ministry. So it, it, it just, uh, it, we, we saw that last week, the first deacons. And we learned a little bit about Stephan last week. Stephan is called a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit. He's also called a man full of grace and power. And, and that's who we're going to look at this morning. Now, you may recognize Stephan. He's one of the, the first deacons, and he's actually the first martyr for Christian Christianity. He's actually the first one to, to, to be martyred for his faith in Christ. And so we're going we're gonna to look at his story this morning. Now, all the way through chapter 7, Stephan, uh, oh, look, they left me a toy. All the way through chapter 7, Stephan preaches this amazing sermon. Now, I wanted to go through the whole sermon, but frankly, it would take us weeks. And we kind of lose the forest for the trees, you know what I mean? Because uh, it, it, would, uh, it would have taken us weeks to get through. So we're going to go to the end of his sermon this morning, and then I'm just going to highlight the sermon as we, as we go along this morning. So let's turn to Acts chapter 7, starting in verse 51. It is up here behind me. You stiff-necked people with uncircumcised hearts and ears, you are always resisting the Holy Spirit. As your ancestors did, you do also. Which of the prophets did your ancestors not persecute? They even killed those who foretold the coming of the righteous one, whose betrayers and murderers you have now become. You received the law under the direction of the angels, and yet have not kept it. When they heard these things, they were enraged and gnashed their teeth at him. That's, that's descriptive, isn't it? Gnashed their teeth at him. Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven. He saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God. And he said, look, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. So let's look at the context here, because as I said, most of chapter 7 is about uh, this, is this sermon that, that uh, Stephan uh, gives to these, these Sanhedrin. Now, he's, he's in a, a, essentially in a trial before the Sanhedrin, and they have accused him, at the end of chapter 6, they accuse him of, of not being uh, a Jew. They, they accuse him 
there, there are pillars of Judaism. The three pillars of Judaism are the land, the law, and the temple. And they accuse him of, of, of blasphemy against each of these. And so what he does here is he explains how he, what he has to say about the land, the law, and the temple. So why, why would he bring up, what he does is he brings up all these patriarchs. He bring up, brings up Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and Moses and David and Solomon. He brings up all of these historical figures in, in Judaism. In his sermon, and, and he's essentially, by the way, we, we saw where we landed. He's going to, at the end of this, say what, exactly what Peter has said. What did Peter say again and again and again? You are the ones who killed Jesus. He kept telling the Sanhedrin that. Peter said that again and again and again. Jesus Christ, whom you have killed. Stephen's going to say the same thing, but he's going to bring history into it as well. So it's really a, a, a tight-knit argument. Now, why would, would Stephen bring in the patriarchs? Well, it's, first of all, it's to answer the charges against him. As I said, the, the three pillars are the land, the law, and the temple. And so he's going to show through the patriarchs, he's going to show that, that he is not the one who has committed blasphemy against the land, the law, and the temple. It's been them. It's been them all along. They are the problem with Judaism, <laughs> Now, as you might imagine, this isn't going to be taken well. But, but he is going to, to confront them on the land, the law, and the, and the temple and show them through the patriarchs how, uh, how they're wrong, how he's not the one that's, that's blasphemous. They have been. Now, why, why does he bring this up, though? I think he's showing them. I, the Sanhedrin probably thought, here's a dummy we can railroad. And Stephen is, is showing them, I'm no dummy. I'm not unlearned. I'm not uneducated. I know my history. I know my patriarchs. As a matter of fact, as he's talking about them, you can see that, that they, they would agree with everything he has to say. So he's using their argument against them. It, it's really a, a masterful job of presenting Jesus as the Christ. And uh, so let's look at, at, at Stephen's arg or Stephen's argument for the land, the law, and the temple. First of all, uh, Stephen's patriarchs that he brings up. Abraham, he starts with Abraham. Now, Steph Stephen starts there because that's the start of Judaism, right? Abraham's the, the father of all Jews. Now, the problem is these folks, these Sanhedrin, these religious folks, they saw Abraham as their father or grandfather, and therefore, they were good to go. They thought they were saved by, by simply being in the lineage of Abraham. That's good enough. I'm a, I'm a son of Abraham, and therefore, I'm saved. But how was Abraham saved? Abraham was saved by choosing to follow God. God came to Abraham, gave him the opportunity, follow me, go where I tell you to go. Abraham chose to do it. 
And every successive generation after that had to choose to follow God. So that what we see in Abraham, in, in Stephen's argument about Abraham, is that it's not about lineage. It's not, it doesn't matter what your bloodline is. It matters that you choose to follow God. Then we see Joseph and Moses. Now, Joseph and Moses are, are interesting because they were both sent as deliverers, right? Joseph was, was rejected by his own brothers and sent into Egypt and ended up being a deliverer, a savior for the, for the Jewish people, for Israel, once he was second in command in Egypt. Moses grew up in Pharaoh's house and came back for the, for the Jewish people and saved them. So we have Joseph and Moses are deliverers. They're rescuers. Now, what I find interesting is that they rejected, the Jewish people rejected both of them. Joseph was rejected when his brother sold him into slavery. He ended up being second in command in, in, in Egypt, and he ends up saving Israel in the famine. Moses grew up in the, uh, in, in the Pharaoh's house, and there, you may remember the story. Uh, Moses decides he's going to go look at, at his people, what he considers to be his people, the, the Hebrews. So he goes there, and he sees a, a, a soldier mistreating a Hebrew slave. So he kills the soldier. So what, how do the Hebrew slaves react? They say, what, are you going to kill us next, Moses? So Moses has to go away. So in both of these cases, on their first trip, they were rejected by their own people. What did the Jewish people do with Jesus? Rejected him on his first visit here. They're going to accept him on the second time, just like they accepted Joseph on the second time, just like they accepted Moses on the second time. They are going to uh, accept him on the second visit. So we see this, uh, Joseph and Moses are deliverers, they're rescuers, they're rejected. Now God also gave the law to Moses. But Stephen points out in his little sermon here, he says, you remember what the, the Israelites were doing when Moses was getting the law. They were down there building a calf and worshiping their own gods. So while Moses is getting the law, that, that, that they say Stephen is uh, committing blasphemy against, the people of Israel, the Jewish people, were down at the bottom of the mountain building, a, uh, building their own gods to, to worship. Then, uh, then we have, Stephen goes into some quotes from Amos and shows that even when Moses comes down, even when they get the law, their hearts are far from God. So they're not worshiping God still. They're not even worshiping God when they build the temple. And he uses David and Solomon to talk about that. David brought, got all of the material together. Solomon actually built the temple. And, and Solomon even said that he knew that God couldn't be contained in the temple. God couldn't be contained in all of heaven and all of earth. So there's no way he could be contained in the temple that, that 
Solomon built. But when the people did go to the temple, their hearts were far from God. And, and he uses a quote from Amos to talk about that. So what Stephen has done is he has showed through the history of Judaism that God has sent people that they have rejected. God has, has used people that they have rejected. And then he says, now you're rejecting the Holy Spirit. Where we landed here, the Holy Spirit, Stephen tells them they're doing what they've always done. You're rejecting the Holy Spirit just like you rejected Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and Moses and David and Solomon and all of the rest of them. You're just rejecting like you always have rejected. So he, what, he, what he does is he points out from Abraham, the very first Jew, all the way to the Holy Spirit. They rejected Jesus. They rejected everybody up to Jesus. Now they're rejecting the Holy Spirit of Jesus. Rejected. They're being, they are rejecting everything they say they believe in. They are saying they believe in the land and the law and the temple, and yet they have rejected each of those. And the men, the, the people that brought it. So what do we learn from this? We learn that it's never actually been easy to stand for God. It never actually has been. We think, we have this uh, idea, it's, it's actually, some theologians say it's deuteronomy, I can't even say the word today, Deuteronomy, thinking that, that because we're in the will of God, I was looking at Pete, that's why I couldn't say it. <laughs> because we're in the will of God, it should go easy. That's, that's, that's thinking from Deuteronomy. That, that, well, we're doing the will of God, so it's going to be easy. Does it look easy for anyone who has ever done the will of God. It never has. It never has. From Abraham to Isaac to Jacob to Joseph to, to Joshua to David to Solomon, every single one of them, all the way up to Jesus, all the way up to the Holy Spirit, and all the way up to Stephen, who is about to be martyred for his faith. It's never been easy to stand for God. It's never been easy to do God's will. God gives us hard stuff to do, but he gives us the Holy Spirit to do it with. We just have to endure. There are so many scriptural examples. Elijah, you remember what happened to Elijah? He has this fantastic uh, uh, victory of the prophets over Baal, and then what happens? They want to kill him. Right? The queen wants to kill him. Isaiah Isaiah literally was told by God, they're not going to listen to you. They're not going to see you. They, they don't, they're not going to have eyes to, to see or ears to hear, but you're going to speak anyway. He continues to tell Isaiah. Jeremiah had the same message. God said, you're going to be a prophet. They're not going to listen to you, but you're going to speak for me. It's never been easy to do the will of God. It never has. There's even a, 
uh, more modern examples. Two of my favorite pastors to read are Jonathan Edwards and Charles Spurgeon. Jonathan Edwards, you think about Jonathan Edwards, and usually the, the, the sermon that comes to mind is the one entitled Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. He preached this sermon and thousands came to Christ. Thousands came to Christ. Second time he preached it. The first time it went to deaf ears. And Jonathan Edwards, as good as we, we use him, preachers use him still today and study him. Jonathan Edwards was let go by his church. They didn't think he was good. Charles Spurgeon, another one that I read constantly. Charles Spurgeon, known as, as kind of the king of preachers, the, the greatest of all time. He's the goat. He was consistently told in the papers and everything he wasn't smart enough to be a preacher. He didn't handle the word of God well. And, and, and really, nobody liked him. He stuck with it. He endured like Jonathan Edwards did, like Stephen did, like Jesus did, like Moses did, and David did, and Solomon did. And, and all, of the, all the way back to Abraham, they stuck with it. They endured. Not because it was easy, because it was the right thing to do. Because it was what God called them to do. Spurgeon even died young because he was just worn out. He had beaten up in the papers so much in his career that I, he died at, I think, 56 years old. So, it's never been easy. We have to endure. And the prize for enduring, well, it's in verse 55. Look at what verse 55 says. Stephan full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven. He saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. That's the prize for endurance. That's the prize for standing for God. That's the prize for continuing and enduring when it gets hard. I'm in the will of God, but it's hard. This is what we get. Full of the Holy Spirit. You get empowered by the God who's calling you to do what, he, what you're doing. Empowered. With, with power that resurrects life. With power that changes everything. You get empowered by the Holy Spirit. And you see the glory of God. The only way to see the glory of God is to be in God's will. But being in God's will ain't always easy. As a matter of fact, it's hard. This is the hard stuff. But the only way to be full of the Holy Spirit and see the glory of God is to endure, is to do what God has called you to do. Do what God says to do. Will you? I'm going to ask that you bow your heads for a moment. First of all, do you know Christ, deliverer that was sent for us? Because at some point, I, I, I feel confident in saying that you have probably rejected Christ a few times by now. Have you accepted him?
as your Savior. Because you can this morning. It's a simple prayer. And just follow along in your own words and say, God, I know I have sin in my life. I've done things wrong. I've said things wrong. I've thought things wrong. And I know the Bible calls that sin. But I'm going to trust that Jesus came as my deliverer. He came to rescue me. He died on the cross to pay my price for my sin. And so I'm going to ask you to forgive me because of his finished work on the cross. And I'm going to ask that you come in and empower me. Empower me to live your will today. If you prayed that prayer for the first time this morning, you need to let somebody know. Elbow your neighbor, let them know. Come and let me know. Let someone know. Maybe this morning you know Christ, but you're in the hard stuff. You're in the tall weeds. Will you stay the course? Will you endure asking for the power of the Holy Spirit and to see the glory of God? Father, we thank you for this reminder that you empower us to do what you would have us do. You ask us and empower us to do it. It gets hard sometimes. It gets frustrating sometimes. It's not easy. But Father, we see today that we're in good company with those who have struggled against culture, struggled against society, stood for what you wanted. Empower us to do the same. Let us see your glory in the outcome. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.